Alrighty. Well, hello everyone and welcome back to Playmates Podcast. Uh, it's been nine months. <laughs> I'm so glad to be returning because I really missed doing this and I missed all of you guys. All, oh, I don't know, 100, 200 of you. Uh, if you're hearing this, thank you so much for returning after such a long break. I really appreciate it. And uh, I have some big news. In case you don't follow the Instagram, there's a new member of the Playmates family. My new co-host, Lee Harrison Daniel. Lee, say hi! Hi, I'm Lee. <laughs> I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, so uh, guys, Lee will be joining me for every single episode from now on to help me interview people, to do the dramaturgy, and just generally bring the vibes. So uh, this episode Mostly is- to bring the vibes, most, I would say. Uh, Oh, yes, of course. The, the vibe curator. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's my official title, actually. Official title of uh, the Playmates podcast, uh, Lee is uh, vibe curator. Uh, <laughs> so today's episode is going to be all about introducing you guys to them since y'all don't know them. And my pizza is ready. One moment. Uh, but anyways, welcome back, everybody. <laughs> We're going to introduce Lee in this podcast uh, because we need to get back in the groove of recording and editing and doing all the podcast stuff. So just like you guys kind of need to get back in the groove of listening. So we're going to go easy this episode. Uh, but first, Lee has some announcements for us. I do. I do have announcements. Um, right off the bat, let's start with some shameless self-promo here. Heck yeah. Um, <laughs> Magical Girl Play by Emmy Cooper Schmidt is premiering at the Tank NYC on Monday, September 19th at 7 p.m. That is the very first show in First Kiss Theater Company's very first in-person season. And you can get your tickets at thetanknyc.org. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be a fantastic time. Go see that. I'm I know I'm going to try to. Emmy's awesome. Um, if you yourself are a writer or an artist of any kind, you may be interested to know that applications for the Brick Theater's 2023 New Works Festival are now open through October 31st. Festivals open to works of all mediums, ranging in length from 1 to 20 minutes. I know I'm applying. Yep, me too. <laughs> And then in some larger theater news, I'm really stoked about this. Earlier this month, Ars Nova introduced this new pay-what-you-can pricing model for shows with tickets starting at as low as $5. Um, it's so great. It's like so... I'm stoked. Um, really? That yeah. Program, that program begins October 6th with the opening of Hound Dog by Mellis Aker, another fantastic playwright. Yes. Um, and co-produced by The Play Company. Uh, I'm really excited about that because, as I'm sure you know, Lee, as someone who listened to the podcast before being a part of it, we're all about accessibility here. So this is a huge win, I think. Yeah. Honestly. And to have something that's not like age-based or like because like i you know there's a lot of like under 30 or under 25 programs but or like, student programs which yeah. like well, like I i'm not 22 and i still yeah. have money <laughs> yeah <laughs> so I, uh, so yeah it's great and it's it's great for students it's great for maybe low-income people who don't usually have access to theater, which is a huge problem in and of itself. So big kudos to Ars Nova for implementing that 
Not that they listen or care what I think, but kudos to them. <laughs> kudos to you, guys. Never. We're big fans. <laughs> sponsor oh us. Oh my gosh. <laughs> sponsor me. Listen, I already reached out to New Play Exchange and they were so sweet. They were like, we totally would sponsor you, but we're broke too. So <laughs> I feel like that's a case for a lot of these, a yeah. lot of yeah. theaters. Yeah. <laughs> My $12 a year isn't uh, doing it for New Play Exchange. I mean, probably not, honestly. (laughs) But anyways, uh, we're going to get into this play now, uh, which is called Beta O. And since this is Lee's play and their co-hosts, we're kind of going to do the dramaturgy section more like a discussion uh, since that's the situation. Uh, I think you guys are really going to like this play because uh, it is funny, it's uh, heartfelt, and uh, it has a talking fish. And who doesn't love talking fish? Oh, so, too kind. Too kind. <laughs> so, Lee, I'm going to read your own bio to you. Awesome. Uh, Tell me about myself. Yes. So, Lee Harrison Daniel is a Brooklyn-based playwright, producer, and digital artist who writes queer, magical realism, and experimental plays that explore all the in-betweens of young adulthood. Their work has been produced by Waterhouse Collective, The Masked Collective, and First This Keep First Hi First Kiss Theater Company, <laughs> where they also serve as a creative producer. And a summary of Beta O from New Play Exchange. This play is about a young non-binary person who really just wants to be loved or seen, what's the difference? But gets haunted by a beta fish instead. Lovely and and like short and sweet. That's the phrase I'm looking for. Short and sweet. Mm. It's what they always tell us to do in school, right? To be able to summarize your play in one or two sentences. I can never do it, but you did. (laughs) It's also incredibly vague, which is convenient. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) It can be helpful. Because, I mean, you don't don't always want the audience to know exactly what they're getting into. No, you can't give too much away. And you also don't necessarily want to have to update your logline when you do rewrites. (laughs) Ah, yes, of course. (laughs) Oh, I'll get into that later. Uh, but mm. <laughs> first, I want to talk about betta fish because I had one as a kid, and uh, I think they're gorgeous, and I love betta fish. But I wanted to look into them as like uh, as like an animal, but also as like a symbol. So uh, historically, it looks like betta fish have represented like unlikely warriors or strength because you know betta fish are super aggressive. If you didn't already know, like you can't put a mirror next to their bowl, or they like freak yeah, the hell like, out. Themselves. Yeah. Yeah. They are feisty little bitches. Uh, oh, I shouldn't have said bitches, but you know what? There it is. So, so you know, it makes sense that it's like strength or like unlikely warriors, I think. Mm-hmm. Do you think that like makes sense in the context of the play as well? Um, I think the the aspect of aggression makes a lot of sense to me um, in that the character of, of Francis, the, the talking fish, is mm-hmm. very like blunt do, does not hold back yes no. very blunt very blunt um and in the sense that like there can kind of between the character of one the owner of the fish and mm-hmm. this is maybe very confusing to people who haven't read the play one and francis like there can only be one similarly to how there's this whole thing of like you can't put two like male beta fish in the same bowl because they will right yeah no they'll kill, kill each, each other, other. Mm-hmm. um i think that's what i was coming at it with 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I can see that. No, the no, and thing. to explain for the audience, uh, the characters except for the fish are just named one, two, and three. Yeah. Uh, one is the main character who is non-binary. Two is mm-hmm. the best friend, and three is the person that one is kind of sleeping with. Yeah, three seeing. is like some guy. He's like some dude. Uh, he's there. I think the character uh, description is literally some dude. He's just some guy. He's just a dude, man. But he's sweet. We love him. Yeah, no, he's not a or, bad dude. No. He's just but but he is he's just a guy. Yeah. He, he's he's not Yeah. Yeah, he's just a dude trying his best. <laughs> Which like isn't that everyone? Isn't that yeah. all of us? Yeah. Especially right now. Yeah. Oh my god. God. And those beta fish, by the way, they live like two to five years. Mm-hmm. But like one kills Francis in like, what is it? Like two days? A day? Well, kills is an interesting term. <laughs> well, not kills. Well, well, the Francis the beta fish dies within like a day of one bringing him home. Right? Did yeah. I get that right? Yes. Okay. That's how, I, that's how I interpreted that. The length of time between yeah. her, uh, sorry, between them having the fish and yeah. the fish dying yes. seemed very short. Yes, that is true. Okay. Why did you choose to make it such a short time? I think that the play, to me, has a lot to do with what um, what the character of one like has space for in their life. And mm-hmm. also a lot to do with like grief and loss and loneliness. Mm-hmm. And Francis's death is... I guess a vehicle to to that ah. point in a lot of ways, and because there's kind of this recurring theme of like one not being able to maintain relationships, not being able yeah. to keep plants alive. Like yeah. uh, it's called the play is the full title is Beta O, a play about dead things. Yeah. Um, but I guess I could. I mean, I could have written in like a time jump and had it be like four years later. Um, oh my goodness. But there's something really impactful about it only being a day. Yeah, yeah. Well, and they they form this bond very quickly too. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it's quickly and... snatched away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Almost like it reflects another relationship in the play. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. Ah, symmetry. Symmetry. Um, <laughs> yet speaking mm. of like the relationships in the play, um, mm. I wanted to look more into one's assertion that they make. That people have multiple soulmates, which, like, I've heard said a lot. I've even said it myself. Uh, So I wanted to see if I could actually, like, find that theory in, like, documented spiritual or religious beliefs. Mm. And uh, I couldn't, actually. Most of what I found was woo-woo stuff written by uh, white cis women with blogs. Um, (laughs) So uh, I just started looking at the idea of the soulmate in general. And that has, as a lot of you may know a crap ton of like historical uh, evidence from different religions and different spiritual practices like uh i think a lot of us know the greek myth one by now right about zeus and people used to have like two heads and four arms and four legs but zeus is like they're too powerful and chop them in half and that's why people are lonely and they need to find their other other half that's kind of where that phrase comes from And then there's the Chinese legend of the red string of fate, which uh, I think is depicted really well in a lot of visual art. Um, I've seen just 
on the internet of like there's a string that connects you and this other person and but no matter what happens it can't be cut it can only be tangled and I was like that's Mm -hmm. interesting and then I didn't know about this one but I talked to a few of my friends about it and I was like I didn't know this was a thing um apparently in Judaism there's this idea of the uh sorry uh any Jewish people I might butcher this pronunciation uh the Bashert which is your literal match made in heaven like the name that God speaks to be in connection with yours before you're born, if I'm understanding that correctly. I don't know. Which is insane. Yeah. yeah, that that's insane. I thought it was really like powerful and romantic, but I'm also mm-hmm. like, again, I'm one of those people that's like, I don't know if there's just one, but I thought that it was cool that you can see it. The idea of the soulmate is prevalent in almost every culture mm-hmm. from like thousands of years ago. It's like not a new idea. And I think it's interesting that one brings it up because they are having such a hard time with their relationships. Yeah. Like, and and it makes me wonder, like, why? why? Like, what happened in the past? Is there a specific reason that one is having this commitment issue? It brings up a lot of things for me personally, right. at least, about, right. the, about, about the idea of relationships. Uh, romantic and platonic though they do seem to have a fairly concrete relationship with their friend too yeah i think they have a, a concrete in that they're like they they talk a lot relationship I yeah don't know they're in they, communication yeah um is it not in your in the writer's mind is that communication uh clear though is it effective communication um to me i think that they because this isn't like stated in the play but it's in the character descriptions that they they dated in high school and have been friends since then Mm -hmm. i think that to a degree they're still their perception of one another is maybe Mm. based on something old Ah. and i don't know that they completely understand where the other is coming from now um and i think that that also kind of speaks to the idea of like uh multiple soulmates as the character puts it just being like people a person can serve a specific role in your life at one point in time and Mm -hmm. then that can shift oh Um, totally I think a lot of us experience that as we get older, which is kind of what's happening with one, right? Because they, yeah. they're a recent, more more recent college graduate. I believe it's stated in the character description and in the play, potentially, that they graduated fairly recently. Is it? it d- is it? You, you read this play more recently than I did. <laughs> um, but they are, it is stated that they're like tw- uh, 20 or 21 yeah. or something. and. Yeah, it is like kind early twenties. Yeah, it's like very much like kind of a like coming of age, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in a very transitional time. Oh, completely transitional, which is why I actually, for this dramaturgy, started doing research on the quarter life crisis theory mm-hmm. idea because, mm-hmm. like, as a twenty six year old person, um, I feel like I've been going through a crisis since I was born um but like that's my thing thing. it's like 
it's a crisis every day out here yeah like every day is a battle um but the idea of the quarter life crisis like the term was uh came from uh a reporter named meredith goldstein of the boston globe and she took inspiration from a psychologist named eric erickson yes that is his real name uh and he proposed that uh humans actually face eight different time-based crises in their lives including one at the quarter life age which he called the intimacy versus isolation crisis about like intimacy obviously and like relationships and i feel like that actually fits really well to one's state in this play like really well yeah absolutely absolutely intimacy versus isolation is an interesting term too because this wasn't Mm -hmm. a pandemic play Mm -mm. um well it wasn't supposed to be um (laughs) and then i was writing it in uh like the you know early early 2020 i wrote the bulk Mm -hmm. of it and then you know something happened in march oh no i wonder Um, what happened and then i spent the last couple months of that semester still working on this play and being like Oh, it's really interesting that, like, one only has one person that they hang out with. Mm-hmm, and they talk to two friend on the phone. that they can only talk to on the phone. Yeah. Um, hmm. Made me see, think about it very differently. Yeah. But, like, intimacy, one and three, having yes. that, like, situationship almost. Yes. And then isolation, one is only seeing three in person. Mm-hmm. and nobody else so yeah 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 i think the idea of the quarter life crisis or rather where the quarter life crisis comes from is actually bangs bad on it's bad on mm-hmm. hi hello who am i for this play <laughs> it's it's perfect and i think that in a way is like just such a lovely coincidence or happenstance yeah yeah and I think that shows that 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 theory of the quarter life crisis might have some merit, maybe a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I think I wonder too if it happens. This is such tangent. I wonder if like That's the fine. quarter life crisis, ha- if these crises happen at the same time for people across different cultures. Mm, because I think about is... where it falls for like Americans. You know, you're mm-hmm. like maybe like just graduating from college like a truly on your own for the first time like going through a lot of change but does it happen differently for people who are going through those things at different ages Mm -hmm. like that's a good point because in a lot of other countries um uh children are not like forced out of the house at 18 right right in fact a lot of cultures you're expected to live with your family until you get married and sometimes even after that yeah multi-generational households are like yeah much more i mean not that they're like necessarily uncommon here but yeah but it is like in the societally and culturally in the u.s you're almost like looked down on if you don't leave the house after you at the very least after you graduate college which was not which is not possible for everyone especially with the last two years right you know so I, I think that is an interesting point to make that I think does relate to the play, actually. Because, yeah. like you said, this play could be viewed, isn't as, it wasn't written to be that way, but it could be viewed as a pandemic play. And yeah. therefore, I think that's a good point to make. Yeah. Yeah. 
Ooh, I'm gonna be doing research about that. New hyperfixation right. unlocked, right. right? Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, that is the end of our dramaturgy section, folks. So we're gonna play some ads for you, and we'll be right back after those ads are finished. And now for our reading portion. Playing one, we have Liza Brescher. Playing three, we have Jarrett Cordiero. If you would like to contact the actors with professional inquiries, their contact information will be in the show notes of this episode. Enjoy! Earbuds? Thanks. Sorry. All good. Cool. So do you want to chill for a bit or? Oh, um, yeah, sure. Sure. What am I smelling? Essential oils. It's strong. I might have overdone it. You have one of those diffusers or something? Uh, no, actually. You can just put a few drops on some cotton balls and then leave those around, like behind picture frames, under cushions. I don't normally do that, but I got home earlier. The whole room smelled like rotting vegetables. Like how spinach smells when it goes bad. Like a slimy smell. I don't know. Probably something in the vent. I think it's gone now. It might be a dead mouse. What? Yeah, a while back our kitchen just got more and more rancid smelling for like a week. And we didn't know why until we found a dead mouse behind the fridge. Gross. Um... I don't think it's that, though. It didn't really smell like death or anything. And it went away. Okay. If it comes back, you might want to check for mice, though. God, that's sad. Oh, I'm sorry. Just all the small things that die every day, you know? I mean, how many bugs die in a day and no one even realizes? I think the other bugs probably realize. Do you think they mourn? I don't know. Some maybe. You could Google it. Or when you use soap, you're actively killing germs, and it's not like they've done anything wrong. They don't have souls. I think about my cells dying. Well, they don't have souls. I mean, that's part of me dying. Your soul doesn't live in your cells. You think people have souls? I don't know. I mean... Every time you cut your hair, or your toenails, or you cry, or you bleed, or you pick off a little bit of skin on your lip, you lose part of yourself. Is that not terrifying? They grow back. Never the same, though. They grow. Things are supposed to grow, and change, and become different over time. I don't want to become different if it means I lose part of myself. You're evolving. Expanding. Spreading parts of yourself all over. All over trash cans and toilets, mostly. Those parts of you are going to grow no matter what. and You have to make room for them. I like the old ones. You're too attached. I am literally attached. I feel like I'm turning to dust. Isn't dust mostly made of dead skin? I don't know if that's true. I read it somewhere. You can't prevent dead skin from shedding. I know. You're crying. I'm mourning my dead skin. 
you have all the skin you need. Would you say that if someone's friend died and then they made a new one? It's your skin. So much of me. Look, if things like this make you sad, you'll never be happy. I know. I mean, some people cry when they get their hair cut. What? Your hair is already dead. Oh. But it's part of you. And some people are really attached to it. Right. So I guess, yeah, I mean, your skin thing. We don't really have to talk about the skin thing. It's stupid. I kind of get it. It's stupid. Okay. I, I just didn't want you to think. I don't. Okay. Just don't want you to think I'm crazy. I don't think you're crazy. Do you ever feel like you don't know what you're supposed to be doing? Not really. In life? No. Do you worry about fucking up your destiny? No. Do you worry that you've killed too many bugs and you're gonna go to hell? No. Do you ever feel like everyone else exists a lot more vibrantly than you do? No. Huh. Do you want to make out? You should go. And that reading was absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much to the actors who so uh, continued to put up with my BS and <laughs> uh, do things like this for us. Uh, we love you. We thank you. Uh, we support you. And when I say we support you, we do. Uh, because I will post things on the Playmates podcast website. I will get better about that, about things that our previous guests and actors have accomplished and done recently. Uh, I have a few in mind that I need to put up on the website right now. Uh, so yeah, truly, thank you so much to all of our actors who participate. We love you. We love you. Okay. Now back into the play. Uh, now we're just kind of like we usually do here at Playmates Podcast, now we're going to talk more about analysis. We're going to discuss more the the finer points of the play, maybe get into the mind of the playwright a little bit more. We'll see how that goes. Um, I have just a bunch of questions. We'll see uh, where we want to start. Uh, I'm going to start with Francis because Francis yeah. the Fish is quite the possibly the star. <laughs> yes. Um, and... I think we've kind of already talked about this a little bit in the dramaturgy section, but mm -hmm. like your intention with this character was to do what? Um, <laughs> to, to, I really needed to introduce a character who would kind of call one out on their bullshit a little bit. Cause like in my mm. mind, one like does a lot of bullshit. Oh, Oops. <laughs> that's okay. Listen, it's fine. I we try and keep rule. That's okay. We you try can... and keep this family friendly around here, but yeah. like sometimes we mess up because we're in theater and stereotypically all have potty mouths. All right. Um, let me rephrase. <laughs> One does a lot of nonsense that they need to be called out on. Agreed. Um, yeah. And well, okay. So there's a distinction to me between Francis the living fish and Francis the ghost. Um, in that Francis the living fish is definitely real um, yes. and is definitely, to me, um, kind of a physical manifestation 
of one's like deep, deep loneliness. Um, and somebody pointed something out really interesting to me, really? which is that um, Francis, perhaps the reason one gets a fish is because the fish can't leave. Like the fish cannot abandon oh. them. Oh, shit. Um, which is like, oh, God. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> right. And then with Francis's demise and return as a, a, a talking ghost. ghost um you know they can't get rid of them then and yeah it's, it's interesting it flips the script a little because yeah. at first it's like no you can't leave you have to stay and then it's like haha <laughs> now i won't me. leave Hi. you're stuck yeah um, that's- i also just i thought it would be funny <laughs> I mean, it is funny, but it it, it l- lends a bit of humor to something that is actually a very serious problem for a lot of young people, I think, mm-hmm. which is that, like, uh, loneliness and uh, depression, especially, again, I don't want to be this 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 lady, but, like, especially, again, over the past two years, like, a lot of us, you know, I think both yeah. of us graduated yeah. directly into a very depressing time, mm-hmm. a very isolating time, a very mm-hmm. lonely time. Um, so, and I think just in general, being between the ages of 13 and 30 is like terrible. So like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and again, maybe that's just my experience. It could be completely different for someone else. Some people might be living the best days of their life right now. Um, I, hope they are. I don't, I, I really hope they are. I don't know that I am, though. So, yeah. like, I connected to that as a problem that a lot of people our age specifically are dealing with or have dealt with recently. Yeah. The, the so, depression yeah. of it all. Yeah. yeah, yeah uh, the depression <laughs> of being alive. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think using a talking fish is kind of a way to talk about that without it being too um, mopey. Yeah. So yeah. I liked that. It added, it adds, well, it adds a very unique Lee flair, but it also is like, fu- it's funny. Like, it's- this is a talking freaking betta fish. There's a dude in a fish suit. Yeah. And he's yelling swear words at this person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, that's imagining that, picturing that. Yeah. Is well, but that's also funny. just like how it f- feels in my brain so much of the time <laughs> well, a, a fish yelling at you in your brain uh, yeah yeah is 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 your uh con- what is it your uh inner it- inner mean yeah. voice is your mean voice a fish like i think maybe <laughs> i find that so funny i don't know why because <laughs> i call the mean voice in my head brad and he's like a frat yeah brad I see the that frat too. boy um, which I feel bad because I worked with someone recently named Brad who was so yeah. sweet and I felt so bad, but I was like, man, the, sorry, bro. My intrusive it's, thoughts are called Brad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's such a bro-y name. It's perfect. Yeah. Oh God. Anyways, this, yeah. um, the, 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 one has that melancholia about mm-hmm. them and like, is this the result of, I think we kind of covered this already, like the, of a quarter life crisis or something else. And like to my mentally ill ass, it's very like depression trademark. Yeah. I mean, there's all this stuff in the play about like their, uh, uh, there's a stage direction. That's like their room is full of trash. Mm -hmm. And actually in an earlier draft, their house like was a, 
<laughs> the very first draft of this play, mm-hmm. um, the characters of one and three, because two didn't exist yet, and mm-hmm. Francis didn't exist yet, were like little monsters that lived in a dumpster behind a just salad. And just, like, oh, lived in, like, cute. the rotting salad garbage. <laughs> Why do I love that? Because it's adorable. That is so very cute. stupid. No, um, that's stupid. I, but, like, I, I wanted to keep that trash energy, energy <laughs> as ah. a reflection of sort of one's um, psyche. Mm-hmm. Well, also, as a lot of depressed uh, people out there may be, you know, aware of, sometimes when we get depressed there the the mess appears Mm, mm -hmm, so i mm -hmm. took that like honestly i think one of my notes let me bring up my notes here um i wrote one has some commitment issues and some other issues and should probably be seeing a therapist Mm. (laughs) and i said i know this because one is basically 18 to 21 year old me and i needed a therapist yeah (laughs) yep yeah i'm glad to write something relatable for people yeah Um, well and i mean the power of theater i hope that maybe someone who would see or read this play would be like one has a lot of and i really and maybe i should go to therapy yeah the power of art yeah you can go to therapy or you can like you know (laughs) buy a fish autographical play autobiographical play and 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 buy a beta fish um yeah and buy a beta (laughs) fish i want to make it clear that this is not like an autobiographical I don't like act like this Um, (laughs) I'm not like this I'm not like that but I mean I think a lot of plays um, that we write like they they take inspiration from our lives so there's a lot of snippets the stuff about Mm -hmm. the um the transphobic school librarian is all true Mm -hmm. Um, oh really her name yeah so actually I had all the stuff about the well okay maybe this is revealing too much the stuff about like the beta fish that they had as a kid in the freezer Mm -hmm. all true the only thing oh. is that I changed the name. My beta fish's name was Gilbert after Gilbert in the Goldfish commercials, and oh. also after my elementary school librarian, Ms. Gilbert, who I'm <laughs> sure is not listening to this. Um, who, like, hey, Ms. Gilbert, to, who I adored and who turned out to be like a Trump supporter. So. Ew, no. <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Listen, man, no, this sucks so much. Sucks. But yeah, all that to say, yeah, we all draw like snippets from our everyday lives i think oh heck yeah heck yeah i mean my first piece that i would consider successful was all about my chronic illness and like Mm -hmm. everyone knew so Mm -hmm. i i feel like yeah it makes sense to draw they say write what you know right yeah even if that's kind of bullshit it 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 is and it isn't i think it is and it isn't i think it can be a limiting thing and like that's not cool but i think Mm -hmm. it can also be like an inspiration thing that is yes yes rules can be inspirational sometimes yeah i feel yeah anyways and this is a segue I'm bad at those. Um, the communication between one and two very clearly illustrates their relationship because they say so much to each other in very little words and without seeing each other. So, like, how did you approach writing that dialogue? Um, I mean, as we were just talking about, mm-hmm. it it's very much how I talk to old friends who I've mm-hmm. known for a long time. Um. I tried really hard 
to establish like common vocabulary between these characters where there isn't necessarily between one and three and i just like i like that like really like short like sort of clippy Mm fast-paced uh stuff snappy yeah yeah i have i i've i always have done the the sort of snappier yeah Yeah. quick back and forth yeah you and then you can interpret it however you want and you'll find meaning in it um or you won't you'll do what you want having to you know spell it all out for you (laughs) yeah no i i like that i could i could kind of tell even though it's never said in the play you can tell that there what there there's something there's some sort of history there uh if you don't read the character description you don't know exactly what it is um but you know there's some thing in the way that they talk to each other mm-hmm. or the way they listen or don't listen to each other yeah. which i think yeah, yeah. which yeah. i was like ah oof and speaking of ah oof um i want to read more of this play but this play is only like 30 i think it's 37 pages 37 yeah it's like 37 pages and i feel like this play could be so easily expanded upon into like a full length 70 to like a hundred page play and uh yeah why did you decide to cut it off so short people do keep saying that to me Mm -hmm. and cut it off is a really interesting choice of words when this is the longest play i have written yeah without a co-writer so you're a one-act kind of person i Yes, it's actually Nothing I'm like, wrong with that. I'm like deeply insecure about it. Um, which oh, don't I don't be. know. We can talk about. Well, I know, <laughs> know. I know all these writers who like can just churn out mm-hmm. pages, mm-hmm. and that is really not me, and has never been me. I like pushed to get to thirty six, and then I was like, I don't know what else to say. I do actually have have some other, um ideas i'd love to do like i'd love to spend more time with francis the ghost Mm. um because they really appear for like one scene and then are like gone forever i'd love like a scene between i'm saying i'd love as if somebody else yeah as if someone else is gonna do it and not um but i'd love to see like a scene between one and three um with francis kind of like lurking in the background Mm. uh something to that end just like establishing more of a dynamic between the three of them and like how does francis influence one's relationship with three mm-hmm. um yes that's this. where i might take it yeah because honestly also... yeah Go sorry ahead. no um, you no you <laughs> I also think we haven't talked about the Coney Island scene at all, but there is a part of the play where I have written that, like, oh, like a a lot of sand (laughs) rains down from the sky onto the Mm -hmm. stage. Like, like, it's supposed to be, like, a lot of sand. Like, I'm envisioning, like, this being staged in, like, the Park Avenue Armory. (gasps) And the floor is just sand now. Um, So I imagine that that would eat up a lot of time also. It probably would. Um, I don't imagine the runtime of this is short. I mean, it's 37 pages, so it's going to be at least 37 minutes. I don't don't imagine. Yeah. I think it's like maybe an hour with 
I think it could yeah honestly you Um, could make this a full length just by adding like two or three scenes in between that last beautiful by the way the Coney Island scene and the like Francis the first Francis scene yeah yeah Yeah. I think so just just because that Coney Island scene is kind of like them I to me felt like a very healing moment for them like they're finally starting to get over their this the issues they have with commitment and the issues they have with like lingering in the past and lingering on past losses too much um I felt like that was a really like symbolic and healing moment for them of like get beginning to get over that and I wanted more in between that Francis scene and that scene because I wanted to see that journey so bad yeah because the the play is so compelling that yeah that (laughs) I just I wanted I wanted to see more of the journey you don't need to do it but I think it it would be cool I was hoping Uh. I would do it before we recorded this podcast but uh, (laughs) it didn't happen that's (laughs) okay it's coming coming. so like I don't know no one look at my new play exchange for like a couple weeks maybe and then but yes give it give it a few weeks but then i do highly recommend you do go on new play exchange if you have an account which you should again it's a dollar a month um and read lee's play beta o they also have like what like four or five of their one acts i've got a bunch of like 10 minute plays up there Mm -hmm. um if you're looking for um a play written for middle schoolers that like no one's ever going to allow middle schoolers to perform (laughs) i've got that um, if you want another play dealing with dead pets, the cat's ashes, mm-hmm. recommend. Um, mm-hmm. We've got we've got a lot going on over there. A, a little bit of something for everybody something over for on Lee's new play exchange page. Uh, and if you're looking for longer pieces, then you can go on mine. But if you're looking yeah. for shorter pieces or this specific play, which you should yes. read, um, then you should go to Lee's new play exchange. Which um, I will link both of our pages in the description from now on, just so that you guys can access that super easily. Um, And if you don't have an account, it should lead you right to New Play Exchange. And then you can get an account, like I said, for only a dollar a month. So $12 for a whole year. It's It's worth it. It's a bargain. It really is. They could be charging a lot more money than they do, guys. I'm really glad they're not, though. And yeah. No, I am too, because it makes it, like I said, we're all about accessibility here at Playmates, and New Play Exchange makes new work accessible to everyone, and that's what we want here. I don't want all y'all's high schools to just be doing guys and dolls over and over Yeah, it's just like almost Maine every year. Yeah, it's almost Maine every year, or like, um, freaking, what's it called? Uh, our town every our gosh town. darn year. I do love our town. I love our town. Listen, like... our town's a great play. I have said a few it's times a on this podcast play. that I'm sick of it, which I am yeah. a little bit. Yeah. But um, it is a very good play, so I understand why people put it on. But like, if yeah. you need new work, like it is out there, guys. It's on New Play Exchange, and it's yeah. pretty cheap, bro. Yeah. So you should do it. And uh, on that note. I think that is the end of this first episode back for us, which is huge. Uh, I really hope you guys liked it. Me and Lee are really excited. I'm stoked. Uh, Yeah. uh, And from now on, I'm not going to tell you who we're interviewing next because I'm going to make it a little game on Instagram. So... I will be posting, after this episode goes up, I'll be posting a few posts, just like, 
hinting at maybe what play we're going to talk about Whoa. or what playwright we're going to be talking to. And you guys can guess in the comments and we'll see if any of you get it right. And if you do get it right, I'll post you in the stories. Exciting. So, keep an eye yeah. out. So keep an eye out uh, for those little clues and we will see you next time. Thank you once again to First Kiss Theater for sponsoring this podcast. And we will see you all next month. Oh, we're monthly now. Did I mention that? Okay. We're monthly now, guys. So we'll see you in October. Okay? Okay. (laughs) Bye. Bye.